Have you ever had that moment where life circumstances are absolutely not what you want? Like you're like, I could do away with that. Or maybe you've had those moments where the circumstances, they're, they're okay, or they feel kind of like you are on a roller coaster. Life sometimes feels like a roller coaster, and that thrill of going over the hill actually really is not that much fun. And so, depending upon the circumstances, there's that tension, right? Some can be good, some can be bad, some can be in the middle and everything around. But how do we live through them well? No matter what we face, no matter what's kind of going on, how do we live through life circumstances where God is guiding us through in new, in insightful, in inspirational ways that kind of encourage us no matter what? So for today, we are going to get into Matthew, the 20th chapter. And here again, we are back in a parable, a parable only found in the book of Matthew. And we're going to look at that, and then we're going to move through a few more verses where Jesus is having an issue with his apostles. Like, there is a really tenuous moment. And he gives, he responds, and he gives them a way to not only understand the parable, but also a way forward in their relationships in the circumstances they find themselves in. So beginning in Matthew, the 20th chapter, verses 1 through 5. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After he agreed with the workers to pay them a denarian, he sent them into his vineyard. Then he went out around nine in the morning and saw others standing around the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, you also go into the, the vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. And they went again around noon. And then at three in the afternoon, he did the same thing. So just a reminder, the kingdom of heaven, it means how God encompasses our entire life. And here, Jesus is using the landowner to equate, okay, so the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. And this landowner keeps inviting people to work in his vineyard, keeps inviting people in. So think about what we talked about last week with the net catching all of the fish, gathering everything, or the harvester in the previous week, everything is coming in. God is bringing in everything. Because so often the traditional interpretation of this is the landowner is God but also a reminder that parables have many, many layers and that depending upon where we are in our life, depending upon the circumstances we find ourselves in, different things will resonate. And so here we're thinking about the landowner keeps inviting everybody in, but there's something we've got to remember. The landowner keeps inviting in the day laborers and the day laborers in the ancient world and even today are in kind of a tenuous situation. They show up to a, cor a street corner and they need work. They need money to provide. They need help. And so the landowner comes and says, hey, you can come work in my vineyard. This is what I'm going to pay you. And a reminder that usually day laborers have extremely difficult work. Maybe they're paid okay. Maybe they're not. 
And then really a day laborer has absolutely no rights. And so in this moment, Jesus already signals that there's something different about the landowner because the landowner says, right, I'll pay you whatever is right. I am going to provide what you need this day. And so if we're thinking through like, okay, how does this begin to apply to our own lives? Of I will give you whatever is right, what you need to live well. At the very basis of our lives, we need food, water, and shelter. But then to live, to live well, what else do we need? We need love and compassion and grace and mercy. We need understanding. We need peace and joy. If we're going to live well, we actually need many more things. And so to begin to think about it like that, of what does God provide for us? What does God give to us on a regular, on a continuous basis? And what's interesting is the landowner keeps going back, inviting more in, different times of the day, going, wait a minute, hey, come on over, come, I will do what is right for you. And so that sense that God keeps inviting us in, keeps encouraging us, keeps encouraging us to begin to actually get those things that help us to live well, that love, that grace, the mercy and understanding, that compassion. But not everybody's going to be happy about this. Continuing on in verses 6 through 10. Around 5 in the afternoon, he went and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you just standing around here doing nothing all day long? Because nobody hired us, they replied. He responded, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the workers and give them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and moving on finally to the first. When those who were hired at five in the afternoon came, each one received a denarium. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarium. All right, so we're getting this set up here, right? So the landowner already is one that is giving out of what is right, of what the people need to live well that there is an acknowledgement of respect and dignity. And so this carries forth in the actions of the landowners to every single worker. It doesn't matter when they got to the vineyard, but the landowner chooses to show each of them respect. And so for ourselves, when we're thinking about the circumstances that we find ourselves in, whether we're just trying to do what is right, trying to make the right choices, or maybe we get to something late, right? We come to a realization later in life. It doesn't matter where we are, but this recognition of how God keeps offering and inviting us into a space of respect and dignity of saying, hey, if you're going to live well, we're going to need some things. And we're going to need some things that only God can give us. That sense of love and understanding, that sense of compassion, and that it's not just for us, but it is for everyone. No matter when they came to that realization or not. And so to begin to feel that, but but there's also this sense of tension that's growing, right? 
wait a minute, the ones that came to it late got the same that the earlier ones that have been there all day trying to do the right thing, trying to make the right choices, they're all getting the same amount of grace and love and mercy and understanding. And that's about to cause a problem. Starting in verse 11 and moving through 16, when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked one hour and they received the same pay as we did, even though we had to work the whole day in the hot sun. But he replied to one of them, friend, I did you no wrong. Didn't I agree to pay you a denarian? Take what belongs to you and go. I want to give to this one who was hired last the same as I give to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what belongs to me? Or are you resentful because I'm generous? So those who are last will be first and those who are first will be last. All right, so here the parable starts to get into questions of entitlement and expectations of kind of going, wait a minute, comparisons when we compare ourselves and that sense of, We've seen it before where something good happens to somebody and can we be happy for them? Even somebody maybe we don't like or we don't think that they deserve because of. And to think about those lists, right? Those lists and judgments that we can easily fall into about why certain people deserve certain things and others do not. And here, this sense that the landowner is like, nope, I'm giving everybody grace and mercy. I'm giving everybody love. I am, I am providing for everyone to live well, no matter when they realized what was being given, no matter at what point in life. And so this kind of makes a, gives us a step back into those circumstances we find ourselves in those circumstances that maybe we didn't create or, or maybe we did cultivate, maybe we didn't make the best decisions, but how often do we begin to find ourselves in circumstances and we make it worse by comparing ourselves to others or by thinking about or latching on to, focusing on what certain people deserve or not, what we deserve or not. The sense of the parable is beginning to challenge us in how we move through the complexity. And then the landowner says something interesting that really should get us to, to kind of perk up because this is like the key to the whole thing. The landowner says to all those who are grumbling, who all uh, complaining, or are you resentful because I'm generous? Are you resentful because I am generous? Back to that notion of when something good happens for somebody else, whether we like them or not, are we happy for them? Do we, are we kind of like, ooh, wait a minute, they don't deserve love, they don't deserve grace or mercy or forgiveness, wait a minute. Do we ever find ourselves kind of being tripped up by that? And then this other side of this thing of, or are you resentful because I'm generous? What is, part is gratitude playing in our lives? 
What part is gratitude playing in the things that have been given to us, our gifts and abilities, the love and forgiveness and mercy and understanding that we ourselves have been shown? And how are we sharing that out? How are we giving that out? Or are we holding onto it only for specific instances or when certain criteria are met? So the, the, the parable really begins to challenge this notion because when we begin to come from a place of when life is complex, when the situations are kind of all over the place, and we begin to come from a place of gratitude, of how God has given me whatever to make it through this moment, to get me through, to give perspective to this moment, when we begin to come from that kind of place, it begins to do these amazing reversals. It begins to change our perspectives because the parable ends with, right? So those who are last will be first and those who are first will be last. That sense of when we begin to have a perspective of God's generosity in our lives, of God's abundance of love and mercy and forgiveness, as we begin to try to live into that and begin to apply it to the complex situations that we live in, when we are talking about those things that are like, wait a minute, that gets complicated real fast. But if we're coming from a perspective of God's generosity and God's abundance, how does it begin to change our responses? Because my guess is for those workers, right, in the parable, Jesus is going, hey, wait a minute, like how would that change your response if you're like, wow, I have been given grace and mercy and I am so happy for the person next to me who maybe I've made some judgments about their life. Maybe I don't even have all the story, but how do I begin to extend that to everyone around? Now moving a few verses down into a situation that develops with the apostles but attaches to this parable. Verses 20 through 23. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus along with her sons. Bowing before him, she asked him a favor. What do you want? He asked. She responded, say that these two sons of mine will sit on your right hand and one on your left in your kingdom. Jesus replied, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink from the cup I'm about to drink from? They said to him, we can. He said to them, you will drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left hand isn't mine to give. It belongs to those for whom my father prepared it. All right. So thinking about this moment, thinking about how, you know, Jesus is around, he's in his early thirties here. And so we can guess that Zebedee's sons, maybe around the same age, they're adults. And because they're part of the apostles, the 12 apostles, and they have been going along with Jesus. And here their mother shows up to like get them promoted. It's kind of like, and because they're in their 30s in the ancient world where people died very young, I mean, they're beyond middle age. It's like somebody in their 50s or 60s today and the mother shows up and she's like, yeah, like, can you like give my sons a promotion? Like they need a uh, higher status. They, they need something they're entitled to. Can you do me that favor? And it should make us go, wait a minute. What in the world is happening here? 
And maybe we've had that experience. We've been in that circumstances where we're watching others jockey for power, jockey for status. Like they're trying to outdo one another. They're trying to gain something over someone else. And here to be able to take a step back. And Jesus responds in a really interesting way. He's like, I don't like, can you actually, do you know what you're asking for? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, no, we got this. We can take this. And Jesus is like, okay, I think you need to have this conversation with God. Like, I, this is not mine to give. He's saying, like, hold up. Do you understand what's going on? After they just had this parable, after, in fact, the verses that we skipped over, Jesus is actually talking about, like, you know what? My life is coming to an end. Like, I, he's predicting his death is soon. And even if they don't believe him, of going, you know, he's talked about some really serious stuff. And he's just told a parable about how people are trying to get one over or they're making comparisons. They feel entitled to. They, they're upset because of thinking somebody is treated better than them. And here, these sons show up with their mother who's like, hey, I need you to elevate them. I need you to give them a better position. And Jesus is like, I think you need to take that up with God. And so when we're thinking about, when we're struggling with the complicated life that we have, with all of the circumstances we find ourselves in, of taking that step back and going, okay, how am I contributing to this? Like being not so great. How am I understanding where God is guiding? What conversation do I actually need to have with God that gives some direction to my experience, to the way that, that maybe we all need to go, that we, we need to find a way forward. Continuing on in verses 24 through 28. Now, when the other 10 disciples heard about this, they became angry with the two brothers. But Jesus called them over and said, you know that, the, that those who rule the Gentiles show off their authority over them and their high-ranking officials order them around. But that's not the way it will be with you. Whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you will be your slave. Just as the human one didn't come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life to liberate many people. So Jesus has had this interaction on uncomfortable, it sounds like, it would be uncomfortable today for us, an interaction between this mother and her two sons, which are two of the apostles, and then the other ten disciples, also known as the apostles, they become angry. They become angry by that whole interaction, even though Jesus took care of it, Jesus responded to it. And this should make us take a step back also in a moment of going, wait a minute, how often when life is getting complicated, when we're finding ourselves in situations that we don't like, circumstances, we're not liking how this has come together, how often do we insert ourselves, cultivate something that really we could take a step back from, we could stay on the edge of, we could not get involved because it's really not our situation, right? 
They could have responded in a very different way, but instead they're taking this circumstance and they're making it bigger by getting angry about it. And Jesus has a response for them of God, whoa, guys, focused on the wrong thing. And to think about that, when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, any kind of circumstance, what are we really focused on? And is that where it should be? Is that where our focus needs to be? Are we getting upset and angry when in reality we just need to take a step back? What should we be focused on? And he says it. He goes on to say, whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. Just as the human one didn't come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life to liberate many people. Right here, Jesus is like, how are you guys serving others? Like, okay, you're upset about what two of our friends did. And so how are you going to respond? Okay, you're going to respond in anger. Is that really serving them well? Is that serving you well? How is that dealing with this complicated situation that you're making more complicated? So Jesus is really questioning them. Hey, why not focus on how you are serving one another? And so for ourselves, in going back to the parable, right, and bringing forward, how are we serving one another with life-giving things no matter no matter the circumstance we find ourselves facing. How are we serving? Even when we're on top of the, the clouds, we're on cloud nine, or we are like, I am going over that hill on that roller coaster and my stomach is dropping out. How are we thinking and focusing ourselves, acting upon how we are serving one another? How are we serving one another, those life-giving things of love, understanding, compassion, forgiveness, peace, joy? How are we being that healing presence? How are we engaging in that work? Because Jesus is already taken care of. He's like, no, I took care of that situation. Now, how are you guys thinking about serving others? Just, and he pulls back, he's, you know, looking at himself, the human one, uh, a reference, it seems to himself, where he is constantly trying to serve. He's trying to understand needs. He's trying to respond to people's needs. He's trying to be that healing presence, even though he, know that he knows that his life is coming to an end. And so he is challenging them. He is challenging all of them to take stock of that, to put pause on to say, wait a minute, should I really be upset about? Should I really be making that comparison? How are we allowing God to guide us through our circumstances with that basis of things that help us to live well, of carrying with us and holding that as our beginning of our perspective, beginning of our response from a place of love and grace? from a place of understanding and forgiveness, from a place that is connected to the teachings of Jesus, that is connected to how Jesus lived, that is connected to how God encompasses all of our lives. And so how will we be challenged by the parable and by these stories today of how we navigate 
all kinds of circumstances, all of those things, those situations that bubble up that we don't like and that we do like with an eye towards, with a perspective towards those things that help us live well first as the basis for the way that we live. How will we be challenged by this story today? How will you take this forth in your daily life? Amen. Mm -hmm.